0: Good evening and welcome to Church of the Word, a time with the Lord, time together with the Lord. Open up your Bible with me to Mark chapter 11, and we're going to jump right into the series that we've been, been working through called Expect Miracles, or Expecting Miracles. And we know that expecting a miracle means that you have an anticipation and faith to see the miraculous happen. Now, we don't chase miracles, right? What we go after is, is the Lord. He is the one that we pursue. We seek the Lord. We go after Him. If um, in fact, before you go over to Mark eleven, did you find it? Okay, good. Now you know where it's at. So now I'll go over to Psalms, Psalms and um, Psalms thirty-seven, and I'll, I'll read there first. So we're going to have an anticipation. Because we look to the Lord. And with God, all things are possible. There's nothing too difficult for Him. And we know that if we begin to chase the signs, the wonders, the, the miraculous, our focus gets off, and we be, we, we'll get off into a ditch, we'll get off into deception, but if we'll keep our eyes firmly fastened on the Lord, on Him and on His Word, and then we know that His part is going to, be to confirm His Word. Which signs and wonders are a part of that. If you found Psalm 37, look in verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Dwelling in the land means you're going to take possession of it. You're not going to, you're not going to be there as though you're just passing through. You're going to be salt and light. You're going to make a difference. Okay, make a difference in the land. Verse 4. This is a verse that probably most of us in here could quote. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. To delight in the Lord means to be soft and pliable. If you'll look at the definitions of this word in the original languages, you'll see that it, it, it means to be pliable and to be soft. Where if our heart is, is being soft and pliable before the Lord, it's moldable. He can shape it into that which reflects Himself. He can mold it into His image. He can he can bend it. He can shape it. He can cause it to take on that when someone looks at it, it looks like Him. And what's going to happen when you begin to look like Him? His desires are going to become your desires. And then He's going to give you and be the answer to those desires. He gives you the desire and then is the answer to it. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. See, that's what we did with the little one tonight. We committed him and His way to the Lord. Trust in him, and He will act, making this is what he's going to do, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord, or rest before him, and wait expectantly for him. Wait expectantly for the Lord. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Verse 11, it says, the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. So we have these promises that if we'll stay pliable, if we'll stay moldable, if we delight in the Lord. You know what's something you delight in? You know, that thing that you talk to your friends about. Maybe it's the new the latest new phone or gadget that you got, right? And man, you like to just pick it up and look at it and, and play with it and, and it's like one guy said about his car. If if you don't look back at your car when you're walking away from it, you don't have the right car. Right? So this guy delights in his car. So, what are we delighting in? What's, what's taking up, what's filling our windshield? What are we looking at? What are we, um, looking and saying, you know what? I like to talk about this. This thing here brings joy to me. Well, obviously, we can answer that with many things, but the correct answer is that if we'll delight in the Lord and in His things, then He's gonna take up your cause. Your cause. No cause is too big or too small. The Lord will do amazing things for those who wait expectantly on Him. Alright, now let's go to Mark 11. Mark 11, and we're going to begin in verse 12. So Jesus has the triumphal entry had just happened he came into jerusalem riding on the donkey all the people were singing hosanna praise the king son of david all these things laying down the palm branches like amazing entrance people are thinking man time's come the time's come he's going to you know deliver us from the romans well it says the next day verse 12 when they went out from bethany he was hungry this is a this you say well why is this in here why does it say he's hungry you know there's something important to recognize and that is the humanity of Jesus. That he was a human being like you and I. In fact, I'll read, I'll read you verse 13 as well. It says, Seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves. Now understand that when a fig tree has leaves, they generally also have fruit. Now whether it's ripe or not it's another story, but they'll have fruit that's shaping and forming and it's coming. And its leaves mean that the figs are on the way. And and you'll find figs on it. So, he sees a fig tree with leaves. He went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. The first thing that we can learn from this is the humanity of Jesus. He got hungry just like you and I. Right? He worked, he walked, got hungry. He had needs, physical body needs, just like you and I do. And he wanted to get that need filled. The second thing that we can see here is that Jesus didn't know everything. Everyone puts Jesus up on this like like he walked the earth as God, and he didn't. He walked the earth as a man. And he didn't know everything. In fact, that's why he went to go find out, it says, if there's figs on this tree. He thought there was. He gets out there and there's not. So if he'd know everything, he would know don't waste your time, don't walk out to the tree, right? But instead, he walks out there and and he finds that there is no figs on that tree. Why is this important? I'm going to belabor the point. Because if we think that Jesus did did His earthly ministry as God, then that's going to exempt you and I from following His example. Philippians says that Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. In other words, used for His benefit. Instead, He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. He had come as a man. And so that Godship, He emptied Himself and He laid it aside. Was He God? Yes, but He laid that aside to come as a man to illustrate that even further remember the temptations of jesus if if the temptations of jesus would have had to been fake if jesus walked the earth as god why do i say that scripture says god can't be tempted with evil so then they were just a sham temptations no they actually tempted him which gives you another side of jesus humanity could jesus have sinned most people will say oh no Well, hold on. If Jesus couldn't say yes to the temptation, then it wasn't a temptation at all. Get a grasp that what Jesus did, this is why I'm telling you all of this, was by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what Jesus did was all in faith. In faith. It's how He walked His earthly walk. It's why He would go and spend time with the Father because He needed to get marching orders because He said, I don't do anything except that I see the Father do it and hear the Father say it. And so he had to get that downloaded to him. He had to spend the time with the Lord to get his direction to go and do that. And so how much more are we going to need to do that? Right? Spend time with the Lord. Get our marching orders. Lord, what do you want to do today? How should today look? I mean, be ridiculous with it. Say, Lord, what clothes should I wear? You might be surprised some of the things that will happen because of what you're wearing that day. So could Jesus have sinned? Yeah, he could have, but he was without sin. He never sinned. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted just like you and I. They were real temptations, and he had real real flesh like you and I do. Now, he never had the sin nature like you and I were born with when he took on our sin nature was at the cross but up until then he didn't have that but he walked the earth when he got baptized the spirit of god came upon him baptism of the holy spirit on him and then he walked the earth in his earthly ministry by faith doing and seeing what he heard and saw the father do all right let's let's just start in verse 12 and just come down at this again the next day when they went out from bethany he was hungry Seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season of figs. Depending on the translation you have, it will say Jesus answered the tree. Or Jesus responded to the tree. And then, and this is what Jesus said. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Did you know that you can talk to plants and trees and that they'll listen to you, you can talk to them. We used to, my mom, she had, we had a whole wall in our living room of plants and they would, everyone said my mom had a green thumb. Because all our plants would just do so well. And, and we had these, it wasn't an elephant ear, but they kind of looked like it. they grow up to the ceiling and we'd chop it off at the dirt. And it'd grow up again. I mean, I don't know how many times that happened. You know, an eight foot plant. And and we'd chop it down to just a stump and, and it'd take off again. But the thing that I always teased her about is before I knew you could talk to plants. is she'd go in there and she'd be watering them and doing whatever she was doing to them. And she'd talk to these plants. And I'd hear her scolding the plants sometimes. Like, oh, you know better than that. You're not supposed to be wilting and dying. And you're like, give them the what for? And now you grow and you be green. And then go to the next one and chat to that plant. And, and, and I thought, you know, this is funny. And now looking back, I go, well, she was just being godly, right? Talking to the plants. And they all just listened and were great. So Jesus says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Go down to verse 20. Early in the morning as they were passing by, the next morning now, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered, just shriveled up. Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you. If anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him according to what he says. Therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in Heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. So there are... Several observations that we're going to make out of this passage tonight. We're going to go to other scriptures and then we'll come back. So just keep a finger or a Bible ribbon there. And we're going to continually be coming back to Mark 11. But one of the things that I'm going to start with is is an important part of this. You know, so often when Jesus gave promises that if you'll believe this will happen, that if you'll do this, He he quickly gives a little bit of commentary about Forgiveness. He talks about the importance of releasing and forgiving those who've wronged you. And so he makes all this like amazing promise here about you can speak to a mountain and, and all these things, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. But, 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 but make sure that you forgive anyone who wrongs you. You know, when he teaches them to, the, to pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father, which is in heaven holy, be your name. All of this goes all the way down through the prayer. The only commentary, the only bit of teaching that he attaches to that prayer when he's done telling them how to pray is on forgiveness, because see, forgiveness can keep your prayers from being heard, is what Scripture tells us. In Psalms it says, if I'd have had, if, I'd have had a, if I would have known of iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. In in Peter it says to the husbands, man, guys, be good to your wives. Don't be harsh with them so that your prayers aren't hindered. So, having iniquity in our heart can stop us. It can bankrupt our faith. It can be like a blockade. You can be in faith, but then there's this blockade there. And so, I urge you, if there is anyone, when you think of, is there anyone that I have not forgiven? If there's anyone that comes up on the inside, just forgive them. Release them. And here's how you do it. You say, I forgive them. I release them. They owe me nothing. There is no debt that I hold against them. They are absolved of all of it. And then, to get your flesh, your your, your your emotions, your soulish realm to agree with that, pray for them. And ask the Lord to forgive and release them as well. You know, there's Scripture that says if you see your brother sin a sin that's not a sin unto death, if you'll pray that the Lord will give them life, He will. And so... If they have wronged you and sinned against you, release them and then lift that person up in prayer and say, Lord, I ask You to forgive them. Come on, You're the most forgiving being on the entire planet and I've released them, so why shouldn't You? So, Lord, release them. Bless them. Cause good things to come to them. You know, Romans says that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. If they really need to repent, pray, pray the Lord bless them. It'll lead them right to the Lord. So, so, be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. Now, here's what's here's what'll happen. You you do that. You release them. You forgive them because you know the importance of you being released and forgiven, and your prayer's being answered. So you do that. But then later, the memory comes back, and you know we've been taught, and maybe you haven't, but as a, as a child, I was taught forgive and forget, forgive and forget. Well, the truth is, is my memory still works right? I I say, well, I forget things by faith, but how you forget something by faith is when your memory brings it back to you, you go, oh no, I've already forgiven and released that. They don't owe me anything. That doesn't even exist anymore. And you just speak to that problem. And you walk in the forgiveness of God and keep your heart and the pathway between you and the Lord open and free of blockade. You know what? Let's take a moment and pray about that right now. Father, I ask you by your Holy Spirit to reveal to any one of us sitting here, anyone listening by the internet. Lord, if we have our holding a grudge, if we're holding unforgiveness against someone, bring this to our attention so that we can release them, forgive them, and walk in cleanness before you in this matter. I thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. Alright, there's four observations that we can make by looking at Jesus' actions in, in verses 12-14. through 14. If you look down here, you'll see that Jesus spoke directly to the problem. Directly to the tree. He spoke to it. And they're all just standing there watching this. And then they see Jesus, He speaks to the desired end result. No one eat fruit from you again. And what's amazing is that we see Jesus' words were at work in the unseen realm. How this happened in the natural realm, I don't know. Maybe that opened up the pathway for some major disease or bug or whatever. I don't know. But at any rate, that tree just shriveled right up. And the next morning, the disciples are shocked how Jesus' words worked in that time frame. So His words were working in the unseen realm. And the fourth thing we see here is that Jesus cursed the tree. He used His tongue and He cursed the tree. He said, that's it. You've lied enough. You've misrepresented fig trees enough. You're done. No one's eaten from you again. And the tree was was dried up from the root. Now there's a number of things that Jesus then, once they walked by the next day, that Jesus taught them. Because Peter sees it. They're shocked. They're all amazed. Wow. Man, I mean, he just, even trees listen to him, you know? And so they'd already had the whole walking on water thing. They knew nature could listen to him. But now they have questions. And so Jesus begins to teach them. And so the first thing that we're going to see that Jesus taught, if you'll look down in verse 22, Jesus replied to them. Have faith in God is how this translation says. But a better translation is have the faith of God. If if you look at the literal translations, that's how they will word it. Have the God kind of faith. Have the faith of God. In fact, the BBE says that have God's faith. Have God's faith. Did you know God has faith? He has to have faith. God can't lie. All right, let's break it down a little bit further. What is faith? Does God believe what He says? Yeah. yeah. So does He have faith? Yeah. yeah. He has confidence and an expectation that when He says something, it is so. So He has faith that His words work. God does. He has the faith. He It's how He created the world. He said, light be, and there was light. And created the earth by speaking. He had faith in His own words. So, have the God kind of faith is what Jesus is is telling them. Have the faith of God. Verse 23, we see the second thing that Jesus taught them. He said, truly, I tell you, if anyone, if anyone, are you and I and anyone? So that includes us, our relatives, your worst enemy, right? Your best friend. Anyone. Whosoever. If anyone... Did you know faith will work for anyone? Jesus said this. He said it two chapters before this. He says everything is possible to him who believes. Everything's possible. Someone look at your neighbor and say everything is possible. Everything is possible. To him who believes. Alright, go with me over to 2 Kings chapter 5. And I want to show you something. 2 Kings 5. An interesting story that you probably know. Naaman Naaman is a Syrian. He is not a Jew. He is not someone who the covenant promises of God for life and health and prosperity and deliverance and peace and all of that applies to him. None of those are his. They were given to the children of Israel and he ain't. Right? In fact, he's an enemy of Israel. He, he takes raiding parties into Israel and captures their people and takes them out as slaves. So Naaman's a good guy though. You say, well, how is that possible? I don't know. They lived in a different time. Let's read verse 1. You'll see what I'm saying. In, in chapter 5 of Second Kings, Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. Some translations say he had leprosy. So this guy here, he was apparently an honorable guy, at least in in the Syrian culture and government. And he also must have had a healthy respect for the supernatural. In verse 2, Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. So she's an Israelite girl. And she knows about her master's disease. Now we can take lessons from this girl because instead of sitting there and feeling sorry for herself and thinking, huh, he's getting what he deserves. Good, I hope he dies. Instead of doing that, she says to her mistress in verse 3, she said, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman hears about this, and so he goes and goes to his king, the master, and tells him what the girl from the land of Israel had said in verse 5, Therefore the king of Aram said, Go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. I will send a letter with you. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, and 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read. And, And then there's the letter. Just a side note, this in today's money would have been over $4 million that he is taking as a gift. See, he thinks that he can buy his healing. Oh, there's a prophet of God that would, would heal me. I'll go with all these gifts. And Did you know even Scripture says that your gift will make way for you? So you can take a gift and it does. It brings favor to you. So he's thinking, hey, I'm going to go in there. I'll give him four million plus dollars. All this nice clothes. I mean, this is like good Syrian clothes. This is the stuff that the high, you know, it's a high end name brand designer, all of that good stuff. I'll go over there and um, he'll be sure to, to heal me once I show up with all this clothes. Now, how many think that's a good strategy? To buy your healing from the Lord. That's a horrible strategy, isn't it? But did you know that a lot of people are still attempting to do that today? Not with money. No, 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 no. We're too smart for that. But with good works. By living holy. Oh, I'm disqualified. I've been too bad. But if I can behave and be good long enough, now probably the Lord would heal me. Come on, you're doing the same thing He did. Thinking you can somehow earn it. It's not earned. It's only given by the goodness of God. Does that mean you shouldn't live holy? Well, of course not. We're supposed to be holy. Be like Him. But miracle after miracle after miracle in the Bible happened to people that weren't exactly holy people. And in all their messing and in all their problems, just like Jesus said to the disciples out there at the fig tree, whosoever will, anyone, Anyone. Have the God kind of faith. Anyone can. It doesn't mean that you have to have your whole life lined up and all your ducks in an order and, and all of them with their halo in the right place. Now do not mishear me. I am not suggesting it's okay for you to live in sin. Absolutely not. Sin separates from God. Sin hurts people. That's why God hates sin. He's not against you having a good time. He's against you getting hurt. Because He loves people. So we are called to be like Him and to be be holy like Him is what Scripture tells us. So don't mishear me when I'm saying that your holiness doesn't earn you the right to be healed. Doesn't earn you the right to a miracle. Doesn't doesn't cause your faith to work. It's reliance on Him and His goodness that your faith is going to work. So anyway, here's what the letter says in verse 6. When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you My servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. Now somehow through all this conversation, and he said, she said, they said, he thinks that it's the king of Israel that's going to do this. Maybe he thinks that, well, a man of God like that would live in the king's palace with the king. Maybe he thinks that's where the, where the prophet hangs out. So he goes to the king. And in verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, am I a God killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Recognize that he's only picking a fight with me. You know, now since I can't heal him, he's gonna say, see, now we're gonna declare war. And so he's all in fear and, and and distress. Did you know that Naaman's faith that the Lord would heal him if he would go, even though he had some had some mistakes and misplaced things and thinks he can buy this thing and all this stuff. His faith, the Lord is already responding to his faith and somehow gets the word to Elijah what's going on. Because in the next verse it says, When he, I said Elijah, it's Elisha, sorry. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. Now there was two conditions that Naaman needed healed from. He needed to be healed from leprosy, but he also needed to be healed from pride. Yeah. He shows up with all his entourage and, you know, he's thinking the prophet of God's gonna come out, wave his hand over the spot and make a big deal. Instead, the prophet just sends a messenger out to him. Doesn't even go out to see him. Sends a messenger out to him in verse 10 and says, go wash seven times in the Jordan and your skin will be restored and you will be clean. The problem was Jordan was kind of a, a, a dirty river and it had a bad reputation and he's thinking why in the world right, would I go wash in a muddy river when there was like all these famous rivers back in Syria where he's from. So he, in his pride, decides that, you know what? I've had enough of this. First I go to the king. He, oh no, runs me off to some other guy. And then that guy doesn't even care enough to come out and see me. I mean, come on. I ask him to come pray for me and he sent someone else. I asked the pastor to come pray for me and he sent Karen. Now none of you have come and complained to me that way. I'm just making a point. Because I've sent her many times. Thank you, Karen. Nope. Where does his faith need to be? It needs to be in God. Yeah. Not in the messenger, not in Elisha, but in the Lord. And so he got his answer. How many times have we gotten our answer and it's just not been, you know, mm, I can't stomach that one. That can't be God. So Naaman, is he, he, really upset. He got angry. He left saying, I, t- I was telling myself he will surely come out and stand and call the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. And aren't Arbana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a rage. There's something about Naaman that I like though. If you'll see it in the next verse. He's open even when he's chapped off, even when he is, is dealing with pride, he's still open to hearing counsel. Look at what happens. But his servants approached him and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? I mean, like if he'd have said, you know what, I want you to do this great military exploit. Oh, sure, man. Wouldn't you have done it? How much more should you do when he only tells you wash and be clean? I mean, how hard is that? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. You know, he dipped. I don't know what he was thinking on dip one, dip two, dip three, dip four. Maybe each dip it went a little bit further away. Or maybe just on between dip six and seven, you know, bam, the miracle happened. But you know, if you've been around uh, the supernatural movements of God, you've also seen some strange things happen. You've seen people suddenly try to put God in a box and oh, it's always going to happen this way. You know, and they would have started the first first church of the seven dips. (laughs) Right? And started a whole ministry of the seven dipping ministry. But we don't put God in a box. We just know that faith works. Faith is an equal opportunity employer. And if we believe... And if we come to Him, if we can find in His Word what would give us the right to believe something, in other words, you're going to believe His Word, what He said about a situation, then we can have it. And it doesn't matter how it comes about. The other thing I wanted you to see in this is that Naaman, what did we start with? What was point number two here? Jesus taught that faith would work for anyone. Naaman is their enemy. Naaman is a Gentile. He doesn't have the covenant promises of God, and yet his faith worked for him. Remember the Syrophoenician woman? She came to Jesus and was like, "Hey, you know, my my child's possessed and all these things." And and Jesus ignored her at first. And then she keeps crying out after them, so the disciples are like, "Hey, Lord, you, you know, can you tell her to beat it or should we go tell her?" And and so finally he has an exchange with her. And she goes away with her child delivered. And the Lord said, man, great is your faith. And again, she was a Gentile. She, she wasn't living holy. She wasn't anyone who the promises of God even applied to. And yet faith overcame all of that. See, what you and I as, as, Believing the promises of God, people, what we often do is, because we know the Word, we're students of the Word, we know all the verses, we hear, we we disqualify ourselves. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You know, we hear a promise that the Lord would give me the desires of my heart. Yeah, but, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I did that, I did this, and we just disqualify ourselves. And so we need to stop doing that and be like the Syrophoenician woman. Be like Naaman and just have faith in God. Thank You, Lord, that Your mercy endures forever. Thank You, Lord, that Your mercies are new every morning. Thank You, Lord. You know how many times Jesus looked at someone and and said, talked about their little faith and then He gave them what they wanted or needed help with? Remember the guy in Mark 9 is the story where he had this son that was possessed and he comes to Jesus. And Because the disciples couldn't deliver him and cast the devil out. and So he asked Jesus if he could do something about it. Would you please do something if you can? And Jesus' response is, if I can, says to him that believes, everything's possible. And the guy says, oh, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus said, well, once you get full of faith, and once you've lived good enough, come back to me and I'll I'll deliver your son. Is that what he said? No, some of you know the story. No, he went ahead and helped him. How about Peter when he's out walking on the water and he looks at the wind and the waves? Is he looking at the right or the wrong thing? Wrong thing. Gets him in trouble. He starts to blubber or to bubble. And he starts to sink. And he cries out, help me. And what does Jesus say? I'm I'm quite certain that Jesus didn't drag him under the water back to the boat. You know, of course, he probably helped him back up and they walked together to the boat. But he asked him, why did you doubt? See, we, we make this whole faith thing into a thing. Well, man, if I don't have just the perfect faith, the strong enough faith, the, then, then what I ask the Lord, I'm not going to get it. But Jesus saved him and he was in the middle of doubting. The guy with his son, he said, help my unbelief, I believe. He's trying to overcome. And so, bam, the answer was there. The son is delivered. So let's get back to just faith is for everyone. And I'm on everyone. You know, the interesting thing about Naaman, and I'll just make this comment, something Jesus said about him in, in Luke 4. He made this statement in a sermon that he preached. He said, did you know that in prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. The guy that the promise didn't even belong to. And then He made the analogy that you guys are like them. And so then they took Him to the edge of a cliff to throw Him off, but He waltzed away. Back to Mark 11. So, the things Jesus taught. Number one, have the God kind of faith. Number two, He's teaching them. He said, truly I tell you, if anyone... all right, that's number two. If anyone... What's the third thing that He teaches them? He says, if anyone speaks to the mountain. If anyone says to the mountain... So if, if you and I are in anyone, He is going to give instructions right here about how we can move mountains. You have to speak to the mountain. You have to tell it what to do. And I know that people make fun of the people, you know, the name it and claim it, and the blab it and grab it crowd, and all of those phrases that they have. But the truth is, either you can be biblical, or you can have a pretense of it. And if we're going to be biblical, then we have to start talking like the Bible talks and like Jesus told us to talk. See, the problem, um, I believe it was Charles caps that he said that he was teaching on this chapter once. And the Lord told him, the problem is, is that I've told my people that they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. I'll say it again. People can have what they say. That's what Jesus said. If we read all the way through here, you'll see that's what he says. They can have what they say. But instead of doing that, people are saying what they have. Let's say it a different way. Instead of calling things that be not as though they be, they are just talking the problem. Talking the problem. Saying what they have. So therefore, they get more of what they say. So then they say more about what they have, so they continually get more of what they say. And those same people will say, well, oh, that name it and claim it stuff doesn't work. It sure does. It's working for you. It works for us here. It works for me. Have there been times that I've believed and said things and, and, and didn't happen? Sure. And then that's for me to go before the Lord and say, okay, where did I miss it? What was the part I was missing? But there's plenty of times where the supernatural comes about and I've seen miracles because I believed the Word and said it. Believe it and say it. I'm getting ahead of myself with the believing part. Right now, let's stick with the saying. So don't say what you have. Rather, you can have what you say. Did you know that Proverbs tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat its fruit? Now, is that just nice sounding poetry or is that the Word of God? Life and death. Two extremes, polar opposites, life and death, are all here in our mouth by what we say. Proverbs 6, two says, you've been snared by the words of your mouth, trapped by the words from your mouth. You know, people speak death and they curse themselves all the time. You know, every year at this time, I, I usually get the flu. In fact, they call it flu season, right? I refuse to talk that way. Instead, I say things like, you know what? Every year I stay delivered from the flu. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets me free from the law of sin and death. And what's part of sin and death? Sickness and disease and all of that junk. So you can have what you say. If anyone says to the mountain, we have to open our mouth, we have to speak to the mountain. Did you know that in Proverbs it says your words will lie and wait for you and ambush you? The words of the wicked lie in wait for them as an ambush. But it says the mouth of the upright delivers them. What words are you laying out? If your words carry the power of life and death, then we can speak to a mountain. We can take a hold of things and declare things and say things. You know, in James um, chapter 3, I think, where it talks about the power of the tongue. It talks about how the the tongue is full of all this poison, all these things. But it it makes mention in there of how the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. And that it can steer the ship anywhere it wants to. Or like the bridle in a horse's mouth. And you can guide the horse. Did you know that if you're in a ship, you don't make hard right turns. Or hard U-turns. It takes a while. And you sit up there in the ship and this is the problem when people try. They go, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to start speaking to my problems. I'm going to start using the Word. And let me just add this in uh, before I go on with the ship illustration. It's important that the words that you are speaking creatively are the words of God. Right? Not just your own things, but what God said about your situation. Find where the Word of God applies to your situation and speak that to the mountain. That's what gives you now the right to believe that he would do the supernatural and move it. It's cause he said it. In fact, in first John, it says anything that we ask him according to his will, he gives us if he hears us. And we know that he hears us. So therefore we have what he's asked. First John five, I think verse 14 maybe, if you're taking notes. Back to the ship. So here we go. Full steam ahead out and out, out to sea and your words are working for you and this is what they're getting you. Where whatever you are, wherever you are in life right now, your words are working for you. And else that whole thing about the power of life and death in the tongue isn't true and it's a lie and we should all go home and go bowling or something. Come on. It's either true or it isn't. Well, captain of the ship decides, you know what, I don't want to go this direction. I'm going to change my words. So I'm going to turn the wheel. So he begins to turn the rudder. But to all the bystanders, it doesn't look like anything's happening. In fact, the captain goes, I don't think the steering was working. We haven't turned around. We haven't gone. I've been, I've been saying that over there and we're still going over here. And we just think that, oh, well, the power of the tongue is instant. No, it's, it's why Proverbs says that the words will wait, lay in wait for you. Or that words can deliver you. And so as you begin to turn that wheel, it takes a bit, but if you'll just keep at it, if you'll just stay consistent, pretty soon that ship is angled over here instead of over here. And you just keep at it and that ship will continue to turn until you finally, finally have, keep, keep, keep on, keeping on until that ship is going where you want it to go. And if he's, if the word, if God through James, the apostle, likens the tongue to a ship's rudder, then that means that you and I have the ability, in fact, in James there it says it, to direct our whole body with our tongue. So speak to your body. Tell it to behave. Tell it how it's going to act. How it's going to be. So number three was, Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Number four, He he didn't just tell you to speak to the problem. Oh, hi problem, how are you problem? I really was hoping I wouldn't see your problem. Not just speak like that to the problem. But speak something specifically to the problem. What does He say to speak to the mountain? Be lifted up and thrown into the sea. So what is He teaching? Jesus is teaching them to speak the end result. Speak the end result. He doesn't say, guys, I want you to say the mountain doesn't exist. So whosoever would look at the mountain and say, mountain doesn't exist, mountain doesn't exist, mountain doesn't exist, nope, there's no mountain, there's no mountain, mountain doesn't exist, there is no mountain, no mountain. He didn't teach them that. He said to speak out the end result. It's removed. That was supposed to be the end result. It's removed. It's gone. Okay? So he's teaching them, rather than just declaring out the negative, declare out the end result. That you desire or that the Word gives you the right to declare. For example, when you are needing healing in your body, right? You can use the Word. You can use Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Where it says that by His stripes we are healed. You know, He says right there that He carried our pains. If you're reading the King James, it says griefs and sorrows, but it's a very poor translation. Every, you know, the other places in the King James, they actually translated those words as pain and sickness, and infirmities. But in that particular case, because it went against the King James um, understanding of it, they they made it say griefs and sorrows. Because yeah, everyone can agree that the Lord will help you with your emotional distress. See, let's not make the word let's not make the word fit our experience. Let's make sure that we are fitting ourselves into the Word. And be lovers of truth more than lovers of a form or lovers how I've been told it is. And on top of all of this, you know, don't take my Word for any of this. Go study it out for yourself. Look into the Word. Find where it says it for yourself. Because I promise you that you can't get healed on my Word. But you can get healed on His Word when you find where it says it in in the Word. And so in Isaiah 53, it tells you right there that He carried our pains. He carried our sicknesses. And that by His wounds, we are healed. We know that the blood of Jesus is the covenant. But we know that His bodily wounds was for our healing. In fact, when it come, when the, Isaiah said that, quite some time later, here comes Matthew. And he writes the account and he quotes that verse. And he said so that this verse would be fulfilled. And he and he said Jesus was healing all these people. Why do I bring that point up to you? Because I want you to understand that he wasn't talking spiritual healing. It was physical healing. That's how Jesus understood it. And that's how Matthew understood it. They probably understand that better than what you and I do today. Right? They were closer to it. And so take a hold of what the Word says for... Here's another one for you. Psalms 103. He forgives all my sins. Is that true or not? The next line is, and heals all my diseases. So one can't be false and the other one true. They're either both true or they're both wrong. And if He heals all my diseases, right there you have promise that you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, the Word says that You heal all my diseases. So now, disease be gone and removed from my body. You're speaking to the mountain. You're speaking to the problem. And He says to speak out the end result. You know, sometimes that's difficult to do when you're, you're so close to the problem that it's affecting your emotions. Maybe it's pain, right? When the pain is so severe, it's hard to concentrate. And Isaiah 26, 3 from the NLT, says it this way, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace the word shalom, shalom. And part of the meaning, part of the definition of that word perfect peace, listen to this, of shalom, means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, safety, health, prosperity, quiet, tranquility, contentment, friendship. Even of human relationships. Friendship with God. Even covenant relationship. That's all that's included in that word shalom. He will keep you in perfect peace. In shalom. The mind that is fastened, is glued, is stayed, is anchored on Him. What does that mean? On His promises. On His character of what He said about those promises. We're talking about faith. Anyone can have faith. Anyone can speak to the problem. Anyone can find the Scripture and apply it to their situation. In 2008 maybe, um, yeah, I think so, in 2008, I was playing flag football. We were in a league football organization and um, I tore my ACL, MCL, and I don't know, some other things, and tore it completely. But at that time in our life, we were going through a lot of financial difficulty. And so, I didn't have the money to go, I didn't have any insurance, and I didn't have the money to go get an MRI and all that stuff, so I just, you know, I'll tough it out. I don't know, it hurts, I'll just, I, never, I don't know, I don't know if I tore anything or not. made a loud sound, I mean, it hurt like the most pain I'd experienced, but I'll just let it heal, you know, I'll limp it off. And so, one year later someone comes and explains to me that healing was actually in the atonement. They, From Isaiah 53, an example after example in the Scripture that by the name of Jesus, people were healed. Mark 16 says believers are going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. James 5 says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Right? It's equal opportunity employer for all of us. And so I saw that and I decided, okay, I'm going to believe God to get my knee healed. Well, by that time, I also went and got an MRI on it and they said that it was completely torn and because it had been one year later the, the, the ligaments had pulled away and completely disappeared and it was like they just hadn't even existed. They're just not there. and Which made sense because I'd keep having my knee pop out on the one side and it'd be painful and, and I tried to go play you know, football and uh, it was fine until I would jump and then there'd be problems. So, I thought, okay, I'm going to take the Word of God and I'm going to believe for my knee to be healed. But if it doesn't work, I can go get this surgery. And so, Lord, thank You, Father, for healing my knee. I am healed of the Lord. But, you know, I kept knowing that I can go get the surgery and get it fixed. And I allowed my plan B. There's nothing wrong with plan B's. Jesus had a plan B at one point. You know, He came down to the water and He tells one of the disciples, hey, get a boat ready in case the press of the crowd becomes too much. Now, they never used the boat that time. But he had a plan B available, right? But I allowed plan B to, to bankrupt my faith. And so, eventually, I just went in and got the surgery. And they did this whole repairing thing, and, and I mean, they did it good. They made it strong. And Lord helped me supernaturally recover fast. I had faith for that, because you can't get surgery to recover. Right? So now I just have to believe God to recover fast. And and they the the therapists and all of them said I was the fastest uh, recovery they'd ever seen. And um, in fact, on the first day when I went in for therapy, they said I was stronger than I should be on the last day of leaving therapy. So the Lord helps me is my point. Well, sometime later, in about 2010 now, um, I think it was about a year later, I was playing softball and I was a catcher at home plate and There was a play at the plate and a guy slides in and and just takes my leg right out sideways. And um, there was a loud crack and crunch and snap sound and just pain. I mean pain. Pain that I recognized immediately, right? I knew what that pain was. I'd had that pain before. And just instantly, man, my knee just blew up inside the pants, the ball pants that I was wearing. And um, I grabbed my knee laying right there in the dirt And I just started telling, talking to my mountain. And I said, "Knee, you be healed in the name of Jesus. I refuse to have this. I don't accept it. Father, I thank You that You bear my pains. A pain, You leave my knee right now. And you know what happened? Nothing. They helped me up, helped me limp over, sit on the bench, and the game goes on, and I keep talking to my knee. And I remember sitting right there on that bench, I said, Lord, this time... I'm not going to a doctor. I don't care if it takes forever. I won't go to a doctor. I don't have a thing against doctors, alright? I'm grateful for doctors. And, and let's use the doctors. Let's use what we have available to us. But I knew that I needed to learn a lesson in faith. And I, need, I I could not allow myself to have a plan B on this one because I I wanted this one from the Lord. Furthermore, I didn't have the money to go get a surgery. So, I'm sitting there on the bench and I'm saying, knee, you be healed by his stripes. I am healed. Father, I thank you right now for your healing power working in my knee. And just like that. And I just kept talking to the knee and it just hurt and hurt and kept hurting worse. And so that night I went home and um, man, I didn't get much sleep that night. You know, you can't put covers on your toe because that puts pressure on your leg. You know, it just hurts, right? It just hurts. And taking all these painkillers, thank you Lord, you bear my pain. That happened on a Thursday night. A week later, we're here in Pennsylvania and um, for the landmark meetings that we have every summer. And the very first night, they had prayer, asked if anyone needs prayer for healing. I went up into the line, and I, I limped up there and I said, um, listen, I've already prayed the prayer of faith for my knee, and I believe that I'm the healer of the Lord. Now my knee's been been... Arguing with me about this, and I want your agreement because, right? Doesn't the word say that where two or three agree, as touching anything they pray for, it'll be done for them? So you guys agree with me? It was uh, the prophet Bob Hawk and Pastor Dave Landis. They laid hands on me and they agreed that I am the healed of the Lord. I limped back to my seat. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. You know, I knew that I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision. I had to anchor myself into the Word. Because people are watching. People are wondering, why Pastor said, What's his problem? They heard me on the ball field. So am I going to be concerned about my reputation, pride, all of that? And I knew that I had to make the choice that I've got to keep the promise of God in my mind. I cannot be thinking about what's going on down here. I cannot allow it to take my time. I refuse to give it the time of day. I'm not even going to talk about it to people. And people would come up because they'd see me hobbling all over. And what would you do? Well, you know, playing softball hurt my knee. And... um, well, why don't you go to a doctor? Well, the Word says that I'm the heel of the Lord, and so my knee is lining up with what the Word says. It's, it's in the healing process. That was my confession. I'm speaking to the mountain. Now, the mountain hadn't moved a bit. My knee still swelled up a week later just as much as it was the very first night. mountain hasn't moved a bit. And I could have quit at that point and said it's not working. It's not working. I've been turning the rudder of the ship. Nothing's happening. Plus, it hurts. Every night when I get down and I lay in bed, I have to take a hold of my leg, bring it up carefully into the bed, arrange the covers where it's not over my foot. Well, yeah, Jen actually says I needed to. That's true. She's a good nursemaid. Thank God for her. You know, this cup represents you and I. All right? All right? and what we have in our cup sometimes we come into situations where our cup gets filled up with pain and fear and you know just all the things we'd rather not have all the things that demand our attention the bills that need paid the the whatever it be right the thing that you need healed from or that your little one needs healed from and that's what the milk in the cup represents, and sometimes your cup gets full of it. You're just stacked full of it, and so what we do is we'll take the water of the Word of God. You know, there's scripture that says the washing by the water of the Word, and so we take the we take the Word of God and we begin to pour it into our cup because we know that you know what, man, this thing here is just demanding all my attention. But the Word, this promise says that that. That He heals all my disease, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pour in Psalms 103. He heals all my disease. Oh, but the cup's still full of pain, and so maybe this isn't working. You know what? Maybe I'll pour in, um, you know, whatever I ask the Father in the name of Jesus that He would do it for me. Oh, but this thing, knee still hurts so bad. I drift off to sleep. In the morning, I wake up. Oh, white cup. Knee hurts. Right. And my knee is hurting, because the first thing that I want to do is get out of bed. That motion grabs all my attention. And so immediately, the last thing on my mind before I go to sleep, first thing when I wake up is painful knee. And so I have a choice, each and every time my knee demands my attention. Oh, thank you, Lord. I am the heel of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. He perfects that which concerneth me. Thank you, Lord, that you watch over your word to accomplish it. Thank you, Father, that you are the healer and I am yours. You abide in me. I abide in you. I delight in you, Father, and you give me the desires of my heart. I feel better to get out of bed. Thank you, Lord, you're my healer. and uh struggle to put on my pants says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. So I'm saying it to the mountain. I'm saying I'm the heel of the Lord. My knee is strong and healthy. My knee is good and strong. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not limp. Praise the Lord. He's good to me. What am I supposed to say? Well, I'm saying these things. And then he says, and does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt. What does doubt look like? It means you become discouraged and you quit. You know, I poured a lot of the word of God into this cup of pain over here and that knee still, I'm still limping. The cup's still white. Maybe this thing doesn't work. Maybe I, maybe doubt, doubt, maybe I just should quit. So this is now about 10 days after, after I'd injured it and it still is just swelled up. And just not a bit better than day one. And so um, we were in Missouri. We left Pennsylvania. We went to Missouri. And we went to my mom's house. And I had promised her earlier in the year that I would change some cabinets in her basement. Well, that's a little bit difficult to do because you got to get down on your knees, up, down, up, down, up, down to change cabinets. And when you got a knee that's not functioning, well, that's difficult. And so I went down there and I was trying the best I could and you know, I, I can't get down on my knees. And, and so rather than saying all the things I can't do, my knee would hurt, and I'd just be, thank You, Lord. You're my healer. Thank You, Lord. That You deliver me from this kind of wretchedness. Thank You, Lord, that the law of the Spirit of life works in my knee. And I'm delivered from the law of pain and death and suffering and sin. All that's attached with it. Thank You, Lord. That's what I'm saying to it. Putting the Word of God into the problem. Every morning when I wake up. Every night when I go to bed. And a hundred times through the day when my need demands my attention. That night, we went over to my uncle's place because he has this great indoor pool. And a bunch of the, the cousins were going to go swimming. So I thought, well, I could do that. I mean, that's just around in the water. And nope, that twisting motion, you know, when you're swimming, nope, I couldn't do that. I went right over to the side and I sat there. And there was a tap on my shoulder. You should really feel sorry for yourself. It wasn't a physical being. It was in the unseen realm. You should feel sorry for yourself. I mean, why isn't this working? Maybe the Word of God doesn't work like you say it does. Maybe you're just looking foolish. Maybe, in fact, people are going to see that it didn't work for you, so therefore, they're not going to now do it either. In fact, you're probably maligning the Word of God. And I I remember suddenly right then I knew I had I had um a moment of decision I had to make right now I got to take authority over that thing command it to leave and no double down thank you lord you're my healer i'm the fastest swimmer here i bless you lord you're my healer and just talked to myself until i got home got in bed ooh it hurt, lift it up, put it in the bed and again I'm saying Lord thank you that you're my healer. I bless you Lord. I thank you Father for healing me and went to sleep. Did you know the simple law of displacement if you put the word of God I'm saying speak it. You put the word of God into the problem the cup, whatever your problem is and you just won't quit if you'll just keep on Because you believe that when God says something, He means it. That when God said, I heal you from all disease, He'll do it. When the Lord said that I've redeemed you from pain and sickness, He'll do it. When the Lord said, I meet all your needs according to His riches and glory, then that bill is paid. When the Lord said, the righteous have never been forsaken or their seed begging bread, then that means that I'm not dependent on my job. That means I'm not dependent upon Whatever it is. He is my source. And as you begin to do that, and as you pour that into your cup, the law of displacement begins to drive out all the fear, all the worry, and eventually, at some point, you're going to cross over into the supernatural. And the Word of God, is going. your flesh is going to line up. Your problem, your mountain is going to line up with the words that you have been saying. You know, sometimes those problems, okay, it's a bit better. Yeah, we've had some victory. Still pretty cloudy. Still obviously has a problem there, but it's better. Oh, maybe we should settle for this. Maybe we should settle for this and just quit. Yeah, I know I've been saying that I'm, I'm the healed and I'm delivered and I'm all of that. And, but I, I'm 70% that. So thank you, Lord. Maybe I just need to settle for this. No, He taught them don't doubt. Don't back down. Then he says this, he says, but he that believes that what he says will happen, it will be done according to what he says. Believe what you say, not because you said it, but because he said it. And he said it, you simply are grabbing a hold of the word and saying, I believe you, Father. Father. We, you know, we've all stood here and we said we want to see miracles. We want to see deliverance. We want to see this. We want to see that. Then we're going to have to say what He says and refuse everything else. He provides for me. He delivers me. He meets all my needs according to His riches and glory. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack any good thing. He fills my mouth with good things. He perfects my ways. The goodness of God pursues and overtakes me. His mercy, His compassion follow me. My cup runneth over. Thank you, Lord, that you deliver me. Thank you, Father, that you've set me in the high places. Thank you, Lord, that I'm the head and not the tail. Thank you, Father, that you have made me more than a conqueror. Thank you, Lord, that the greater one lives in me. Thank you, Father, that I will not be overcome by the devil. That morning, I got out of bed and I was halfway through the afternoon working on the cabinets. I was on my knees, in fact. Working on the cabinet. All of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute. I hadn't thought about my knee one time today. Not once. I jump up and I look at it. Well, it wasn't swelled. It wasn't nothing. I couldn't make it hurt. I jumped. I squatted. I tried to make it hurt. And it was just completely healed. Completely healed. That was a personal miracle that I experienced in my life. A personal miracle. And when I tell you about what the Lord did for me, this is what I'm continuing to do. I'm just bringing in the good, cleansing Word of God. This is what the Word says about me. This is who I am. You know, use the I am statements in the Bible. Because He is the great I am. And if He lives in you, then as He is, so are you. You know, the Word says that there's no fear in love. There's no fear. No torment. No torment of judgment is what that means if you look at what it, in the original language. There's no torment. So, Father, I stand in Your love. I thank You that I'm the apple of Your eye. Father, I bless You. I commit my ways to You. I look for ways to spread Your goodness, to tell of Your goodness, to, to fulfill the destiny that You've created me for. And all the while, there's an overflow. An overflow of the goodness of God in your life. An overflow of the testimony of His goodness. An overflow of what... Guess what? All these other people around this cup just got affected by that overflow of God's goodness. It's no longer milk in the cup. It's clean. The clean, clear Word of God, move of God, the supernatural, evident, and visible... Believe what you say. See, Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. If you say, I want to grow in faith, here's how you do it. You don't just begin to say it. Because see, that's where we've gone wrong in the past. We've we've tried to say things we don't believe. And that's how you wind up just saying it and saying it and it never does come to pass. Now, why did it take two weeks for, for my knee to be healed? I don't have the answer for that. All I know is that when the trial of your faith comes, Paul said, or James said, be real happy about that because the end result of that is endurance and not lacking anything. Meaning you got what you believed for. And as your faith was tested and tried, and I refused to speak the problem, I refused to say what I have. Instead, I said what I'm, what, what he has made me. What the word says about me. And when someone said, "What well, does your knee hurt right now?" Yeah, there's pain in my knee. It's talking to me. But I believe the report of the Lord, Amen. and He said that I'm the Healer of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. So how do you how do you move from doubt and questions and fear into faith? Just get a hold of what the Word says, and get a hold of it, and start eating it, and eating it, and eating. It. And before long what's going to be coming out of you is going to be the Word. Because what goes into you, right, is going to come out of you. What are you full of? This I know, that you delight in Me. That's what David said. This I know, that you delight in Me. That you delight in Me. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, F.F. Bosworth said this, faith begins where the will of God is known. So you have to know what is God's will for me in this situation, and if you're not sure, ask him, ask for wisdom. ask what should I do? You know, Robin, can I share that testimony? you were so recently he'd had um, COVID and then a stroke and all these things, right? And the Lord just miraculously healed and restored him. He comes out of the hospital, and then he is having all these weaknesses right? Feeling so tired. And, and he came to me and he said, um, well, he was, I asked him how he was doing and he was just saying that. So I prayed for wisdom for him. Robin and I agreed that the Lord would give him wisdom on what to do about this. See, we don't know what God's will is here because he's on medications. So he came to me before the service and he said, you know, we'd prayed and we'd asked the Lord for wisdom and the Lord gave me wisdom. And I felt like I should go off of some of these medications, so I just quit for a couple of days. He said, man, all my strength returned. I feel so good. And he just had the answer to his prayer, right? And why is that important? Because if we don't know what God wants or what we should do, how we should activate our faith, then we'll just sit there in confusion. But if we know, we can take action and believe and speak. And speak to the mountain. Abraham, the man of faith that he was, you know, God called him a a father of many nations long before he was. But God calls it as though it already exists. God's saying it as though it were past tense. That's what faith is. I got to finish reading in Mark eleven. Mark Mark eleven. So he he tells them, "Here's what you say to the tree or to the to the." Actually, don't miss this part of it. He cursed the tree. The tree withers. The apostles are all shocked at this and looking at the tree and going, wow, look at this. This is amazing. Look at the tree. And the Lord says, have the God kind of faith. If anyone says, what are you looking at the tree for, boys? Look over here at the mountain. Because they're standing right beside a mountain. He just brought it way bigger than a tree. Mountain. Not little tree. Mountain. He didn't say, you know, if anyone says to the tree, be withered up, the tree will be withered. He didn't say that. He said, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say, you will have whatever you say. There is something we need to say. Say how it's going to be. How it is. Then there's another thing. He says in verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, this is different. This is different than what he just said. He's not talking about requesting and asking. He's talking about prayer. He's not talking about saying. There's a time to say and there's a time to pray. And he says, here he explains how how faith works. Everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it. The literal translation is past tense. Believe that you have received it and it will be so. Well, that's what God was doing with Abraham. Father of many nations. That's what the name Abraham means, Father of many nations. And he changed it from Abram to Abraham. He says, We're going to change your name and make a covenant with you. You're going to be the father of many nations. So now we're going to call you Father of many nations. And so Abraham says, All right, Lord, I'm Father of many nations. And he doesn't have a child and his wife is old. But he believed it. He believed it. And even after he receives the promise, Listen, this is important. After he received the promise, and now the Lord says, hey, I want you to uh, take him up on the mountain and to sacrifice him to me. The promise. Abraham, he, his faith, he was full of faith. If you read the account, it says early in the morning he got up and went. He wasn't slow to obey. He was quick. He was on it like chicken on a bug. Man, boom. Early in the morning, he goes. And then what? They finally reach the mountain. And he knows that he's going to go up there and kill Isaac. And sacrifice him. And he looks at his servants that came with him and said, we'll be back. Words of faith. We will be back. He is speaking to his mountain. He is declaring the end result. We, not I, we will be back. We will be back. And in Hebrews, it tells us why he did that. Because he had faith. It says that he believed that God was going to resurrect him. He knew that this is the promise that God gave to me. And if I kill him, the only way for the promise to keep going is for God to raise him back up from the dead. So I'm going to go up. I'm going to kill him. The Lord's going to raise him from the dead. And we'll be back. And that's exactly what happened, except that he didn't get as far as killing him. The Lord stopped him. The angel stopped him. said, wait, wait. There's. I see, you're serious about it. And he says, over there in the thicket was a lamb, a ram. And that was the sacrifice. And so they took the, took the ram and they offered it. What do you think Isaac was thinking? Like, Dad, are you serious? Like, wh- why are you raising that knife in the air? See, there was a level of faith that he had too. In his dad, and in his dad's ability to hear the Lord, apparently, and so from that day forward, they called that place, "The Lord will sees and provides." The Lord sees and provides. The Lord sees you, and He provides. He hasn't changed. That's one of the names of God. He sees and provides. And so, whatever problem you're up against, you remind that mountain, the Lord sees and He provides. There's a way. You know, I mean, there's many ways for a mountain to be removed. It could be in a puff of smoke, boom, gone. Or a thousand dozers and dump trucks and backhoes could show up and scoop that thing up and drive it away. But we get hung up on how it needs to look sometimes, don't we? Take all those things off of it and have faith. Have the faith of God and say, You know, He delivers me. And continue to pour the word into the cup, pour the word into the cup, pour the word into yourself until there's nothing but word, until you can't be made to doubt. And even if you should doubt, Oh Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, and pour in more word. And He will do exactly what He said. Worship team, you can come up. Worship team, you can stand up. (laughs) Ha, <laughs> ha, name of Jesus. Father, we just lift up the name of Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. We worship you. Jesus, you're Lord of this house. You're Lord over Pennsylvania. You're Lord over these United States of America. I declare your Lordship over this nation. most difficult thing about a good sermon is going out and doing it right we come in we get stirred up this is what's supposed to happen when we're together we get stirred up and we go man that encourages me we get the tools to go out and do and then we just get back into old habits and ruts so i i strongly urge you begin to speak begin tonight speak to your problems. In fact, let's do that right now. Let's speak to our bodies. And let You can just repeat after me if you want. You can say your own thing. But body, you be full of health. Be full of strength in the name of Jesus. My body is redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus redeemed my flesh. I thank you for redeeming me. I walk in strength. I walk in health. Debts I command debts to be paid in the name of Jesus. Debts, your every obligation is met. Father, you meet my needs. You provide for me. You give me a good job. You give me good pay. You increase me financially. You have made me the head and not the tail. Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for an increase in pay. I thank you for an increase in my housing, an increase in every need that I have. Father, I thank you that you've done these things. Now let's talk to relationships. If there's a broken one that needs to be restored, call it so. Relationship, be restored. Be restored. Father, I thank you for the relationships in my life. I have great relationships. You know, you don't always have to say something that you don't already have in your possession. You can can continue to declare out the good thing you do have right? Say the good that you have. I have great relationships in my life. I have a wonderful marriage, right? I have great children. Speak that at Well, unless you don't have or want children, then don't say that. But you get the point. Speak to your family. Speak to yourself. Speak to your mountain. Speak to your car. Car, you drive right and you don't quit. Car, you last for a long time. Long past when I need you. You don't wear out. I even, to the, to the shoes that I like, I tell them not to wear out. Shoes, you last for a very long time, as long as I want you. Talk to your things. Go out and put it into practice. All right, thank you for coming and worshiping with us tonight. Downstairs, there's a time of fellowship. Everyone is invited to that. And one way that we love God is how?
1: Good evening everyone. Thank you. That was great. So glad that you're all here this this beautiful evening. Cold, but are you all nice and warm and cushiony now? So great to be in the house of God with your family, isn't it? We are so blessed here at CWI Lancaster and just so grateful to the Lord like to encourage you tonight in our time of worship with uh, Isaiah 61. Some great promises are in here, and I think God the Father casted a vision about what Jesus would do when he came to the earth in these scriptures. So listen to some of the things that Jesus has done and is doing, present tense for you right now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Good tidings. Everybody say good tidings. Good tidings. That's what the gospel is. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open up the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise. I love that. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, that's an antidote. If you're feeling a spirit of heaviness, depression, discouragement, there's an antidote in the gospel, and it is the garment of praise. Glory to God. It's available to you. So what do we have to do? If you have ears to hear, let him respond. That's what it means. Jesus said it so often. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. It really means if you have ears to hear, respond to what you hear. So here we have this garment of praise that he gave available to us that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Don't we do all things unto the Lord for his glory and his praise? So all these present tense promises have been given to us. Therefore, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Are you praising him when you're hearing these? As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and a bride adores herself with jewels, as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations isn't that a beautiful promise from the lord now we get to respond to all of those by saying yes and amen that's for me see take that personal if, if you're feeling any of that take these promises that jesus has given us He's cast the vision for all of us and individually. But keep your eyes always on the eternal one who has given you these promises. Amen. Let's stand up and let's worship the one who is so good and so faithful.
0: So I'm going to ask you to do something. This may sound corny, but take this garment. Go ahead, grab Grab this garment. Like put
1: it on. Amen. Put on the garment of praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the beautiful gift of Jesus, the eternal gift of Jesus. Jesus, we are thankful tonight for the gift of freedom, freedom to choose all that you did on the earth for each and every one of us. Father, tonight we just magnify you. We honor and celebrate you. We thank you for the gift of salvation and all the gifts that Jesus gave through the his death his resurrection on the cross and the ascension into heaven it was a finished work now our part is to respond and choose right so tonight father take the scales from our eyes take the hardness off our hearts let the word of god penetrate like a laser and if it brings correction or reproof tonight Help us to grow up individually and help us to grow up as the family of God in this place. Willingly taking the correction from you, Jesus, our commander of chief, the word of God, helping us to make any adjustments in our life because we get to that free will, that choice that Jesus paid a high price for, that we can respond to all that you have for us tonight, Father. So we say yes and amen to you from our hearts. Do your will in us and do your will through us. Let us be a a encouragement and a comfort and a love to one another as well. Father, just have your way, your way and your will. Say that, have your way and will in me. Now the father heard that prayer. (laughs) So allow him... Just say, just say from your heart, Lord, my heart is your heart, and I'm supple. I'm like clay in your hands tonight. Speak to me. I want to hear your voice. I have questions that I want answered tonight. And expect God, your Father, to give you those answers. Expect him to heal you tonight. Whatever it is, his presence is here for you. So turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you're expecting tonight because I'm a good receiver. Hallelujah.
2: Well, good evening again, everyone. I trust you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, glad to be with other believers tonight. We'd like to welcome you if you're here for the very first time. So could you just raise your hand so we can see who you are, give you a hand clap. Over here, we've got um, Sydney's first cousins with us tonight. He's been here before, but he brought his family. So we're glad to have Jeremy and Melissa with us. That's right. Make them feel welcome. Make them squirm. <laughs> All right. Um, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. If you would like to be receipted and you're giving in cash, that's what that is for. If you're giving by check, you don't need those. Um, If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. That's always helpful. How many know that when you return the tithe, you're hooking up with supernatural help? Isn't that so comforting to know that you're not on your own? You're not dependent upon your own resources, and you know, I was thinking about this, and um, there are numerous places in the scripture where the Lord refers to the tithe as the holy portion. It's the holy portion. So then I should view it as holy. It's not just a trivial, oh, you know, whatever, not a big deal, you know, just, no, it's holy to the Lord. And if the offerings and tithes are important to God, then it's important to me. How about you? All right, well, I want to encourage you tonight in, you know, that God is the God of the supernatural, and he can do the impossible. He's brought water from a rock. He's split the Red Sea and had him walk over on dry land. He's kept people alive in famine. He's the God of when there is no way, he makes a way. So I want to read to you out of 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're just going to hear a testimony of what God has done before, because what He's done before, He can do it again. You know, if He th- this story that we're going to read about, those people weren't any more special than you and I, and He He will do it. He will do it again for you and I. So in in First Kings seventeen, we're going to start in in uh, let's see here, verse seven. Let me give some backstory though. This is in the time of King Ahab. And he was a wicked king. And Elijah had went to King Ahab and just said, Hey, you know what? There's not going to be dew or rain until I say from here on out for the next several years. So it's about to get really dry, really crunchy dry. I mean, no dew, no rain. I mean, you know, I'm thinking of grass that, you know, you walk on and it's like crunch, crunch. Anyway, so the Lord says here in verse 2 says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Cherith Ravine. Some translations say the brook Cherith. East of the Jordan, and you will drink from the brook. I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now, in the natural, it seems like it would make more sense to go camp out by the Jordan. That's bigger. There's more water there. But the Lord said, go to this little brook over here. So, you know, it's really important that we don't lean on our own reasoning, our own logic, that we obey the word of the Lord. You know, he's smarter than us, right? Amen. So he did what the Lord told him. That's key. He went there east to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Verse 7, that's where I had said we were going to start, so... Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. This word directed, I looked up that one and where he says I've directed the ravens. It's the same word, and it means to command, to give orders to so you know this sometimes you get when you I don't know maybe maybe I'm the only one but you read this story or remember this story and you think oh you know this here comes Elijah and he happens this woman's out there and and it was a surprise it wasn't but so says the lord said he directed her so she, so this wasn't necessarily a surprise when she w- encountered Elijah so there she was gathering sticks and he called out to her and asked would you bring a little water in a jar so i could have a drink So, okay, so as she was going to get it, then he says, and bring me a piece of bread. Wait a minute, (laughs) this is famine. Are you going to ask a widow in the middle of famine who also has a son to give give you food? Wow. And she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She ain't in a whole lot of faith there. But anyway, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. See, you know, right before a miracle, often times, well, first of all, for there to be a miracle, you need to be up against something pretty big. There needs to be... An obstacle you can't overcome on your own. That's where she was. And so you often have, t- have opportunity to fear because you got to step out and believe God. Take him at his word. So he says, "Go, don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. So she had opportunity to lean on reason and logic, even after this, even after the Lord had directed her, even after you know, she could have said, you know what, this is crazy. I can't give away my last. But she could either yield to fear or trust God, yield to fear or trust the promise. She chose right. And did God keep his word to her? Yes, he did. Because he's not subject to natural circumstances. He can bring your supernatural provision. So if you're needing supernatural provision, you know, God doesn't love them any more than he loves you. And how many know, know, last week in uh, Psalms 33, we read that his eye is on those that fear him. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on those that fear him and are trusting in his unfailing love, his goodness to deliver them and provide for them. That's a little bit of a paraphrase on the last part. I think it says, deliver them from death. And provide in famine. But he is looking at you and I. Are we trusting him? Do you fear him? Are you looking to him? He That pleases him. So that's what we want to do as we return the tithe. Just remember that he's our provider. And he wants to provide for you. So let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful to you tonight that you love us. And that you promised to provide for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are The provider, you are the source, and we don't have to worry and stress and fume and all of that. We can count on you to keep your word. So I thank you for the promise you've made to the tither. I thank you that every need is met in this house. And I thank you, Lord, if there's anybody here that is especially needing supernatural provision in a speedy way, Lord, that you send the answer to them, that you bring it to them, that it's on the way right now. And we give you thanks for it in the name of Jesus. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the Lord. All right. If you have your bulletin in front of you, we started a new home group series, Honor to Whom Honor by Keith Moore. So if you haven't signed up and would like to be a part of that, you can. Um, One change to the schedule, the ROP home group normally meets at our house, but this next Tuesday, it's going to be at the Schumann home. So want to reach out to Josh and Alicia if you don't have their address. The Cup of Joe meeting is Monday, February 7th. I think we've been talking about that. That's the Gale brothers running for governor and the U.S. Senate. Also, last week we had mentioned about um, Deb and Jim Wolf and how Deb's bringing Jim home, and so she's looking for... Two days a week, she needs some care for Jim on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I don't know. Um, e- and we we didn't what we didn't say last week. Then we want to say this week is if you're able to give either with in-person care, you know, you're able to help in that way, or financially. Either way, because it is going to be um, an extra cost to Deb, and we would like to, as a church, help her and be a support in that way for them. All right, Pastor, are you ready to? Bless the people.
0: I am. The Lord is. We are going to, here in just a moment, take the mission offering that we take once a month. And as unless you're new here, you know how we do this. So I'll just um, explain it here in a moment. So in case you are new here, you have all your questions answered right out of the gate. If you need an envelope for your mission giving, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring one to you providing we still have ushers in the room. And um, what we like to do here is once a month we take an offering that is um, what we call the mission offering. And I mean, honestly, money comes in almost every weekend towards that. But we make a collective effort on that particular weekend to lay aside and be ready when that weekend comes to give into, if you look up on the wall and you see all these flags, many of these places are uh, places where we have ongoing support happening. And so what we used to do was all of us used to just individually write it out to all the different ministries. And then at the end of the year we would look at the amount that we did and it just seems so small. And we know the scripture that says one puts a thousand to flight, but two, ten thousand. And so what we started doing was we started running everything through the church. The church doesn't keep any of it. 100% 100% of it gets sent wherever you designate it to go. We, it doesn't have to be pre-approved with us. Um, we, we often send uh, gifts to missionaries that we've never heard of before, but that you've heard of and that you want to support. And so then what happens is at the end of the year, we collect actually, it's not the end of the year, it's, um, July, and July is when we call it our end of year, so that one year every July, from July to July, then we total up the total amount that the church put into missions for that year, and we rejoice at how large the number is, right? Because together, we're doing something very, very significant. And this particular year, coming up on this July, we put um, what we called was Faith Promises, And we thought that, you know what, as a church, we can do $220,000 into the kingdom of God for His work. And so that's what we have been aiming towards. And um, come July, we'll give a report on where we are and we'll we'll have you guys come up with a new number of what we're going to believe God for and do by faith. How many of you like miracle provision? Miracle provision. You know that story that Jen was reading to us but the prophet elijah and and, and the widow lady she, there was a miracle provision for her but if you go on and you read that story she reaped a whole lot more than just financial provision the first account of someone being raised from the dead happens to her son her son is 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 i don't know gets sick and dies and the prophet elijah prays three times for him and there's a lesson right there he didn't give up on the first time prays three times for Him and raises Him from the dead. And that's the first account of someone being raised from the dead in Scripture. And if uh, you know, it's it's good to see both sides of the miracle. She, she sowed what she had and the Lord provided for her financially, but it wasn't just finances where she reaped. Right? It was life for her child. And so let's put our faith as we put money into the work that goes all around, around the world. Let's put our faith that the Lord is going to empower us to do more that what we do, where we sow finances, that it's, it's actually accomplishing his will and purpose where it goes, that all those different ministries have the wisdom of God in them on how to move forward, how to do things. We have a um, speaking of which these ministries, we have a new uh, letter from. The uh, mills in Turkey, you can pick that up in the lobby. Some great things happening there, as well as there's a great report out of Kurdistan, Iraq, of all the different things that we have been a part of and that people are being encountered and changed. And um, just today in the mail, I got a, a thank you card from Children's Rescue Initiative. And I wanted to just read it to you because often I'm seeing the thank you cards, but you're not. Right, and so I like to share these with you from time to time. It says, dear Church of the Word International, we just wanted to say a quick thank you for donating to Children's Rescue Initiative. The holidays can be a time of joy or a time of sorrow for many. <clears throat> Excuse me, but we know for our rescued children, there's no greater joy than celebrating the holidays in freedom. When asked what he wants to be when he grows up, one of our rescued children responded that he simply wants to be a good man. You've given him that gift, and for that, we are forever thankful. We hope you have a happy new year, the CRI team. So, you guys are making significant difference in people's lives. All right, take a hold of of whatever you are planning on putting into the kingdom tonight and let's pray over it and declare some things. Father, I thank You that You watch over Your Word to perform it. And that You said as we sow, we would reap. And so Father, we're expecting that we'll reap a harvest on what we sow tonight so that we can do more for your kingdom. Father, I ask you to empower us. Give us the ability, give us um, streams of income that we can bless you, work with you, accomplish all that you have called us to do in this time, in this place, in this season. Father, we know that we've been put here for this time in history. And Lord, we call forth your blessing Upon those that are receiving these gifts, that they would their heart would be open, that those ministering your love around the world, that you would just stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders and confirm your gospel as it's preached. Encourage each one that's been laying down their life in the field, Father. Strengthen them. Cause them to be full of your word, full of strength, full of vision. Supply their every need in Jesus' name and amen. You know, it's good to be on the receiving end of a miracle, but how many know it's also more amazing to be on the giving end of the miracle? You know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And some of these people around the world, they are believing God, just straight up saying, Lord, in the natural, this isn't possible. How are we going to raise, you know, $170,000? to help these camps, and then just like that, most of it gets raised. See, being on the, on the miracle end of it, you helping to cause it to come to pass, is something that ought to give you great joy. We are celebrating the seed with Josh and Lou. Where is Josh and Lou? Hey, over here. Okay, you guys can come up and bring your little bundle of joy with you. Okay, does does she need a minute? Okay, you go find her, and if she's able, you bring them both. If not, we'll wait until later in the service. And we are, you know, in this house, we we believe that life, all life is precious. Life born, those that are born, and those that are unborn. And we believe that one of the ways that we demonstrate that is we take our, our children that are born and we dedicate them to the Lord. We don't do the whole, you know, child baptism thing, all of that. Um, when they, when they make that decision, then we'll, we'll baptize them. But we believe that whatever comes into our possession, if we'll dedicate it to the Lord, it gives the Lord free reign and access for that little one. And you know, you think of the Billy Grahams of the world. At one point, they were just little babies and no one had a clue. Unless the Lord told somebody, right? But for the most part, nobody had a clue. And so every little one that comes up here and that we pray over, I always wonder, wonder in w- what way they're going to change the world. In what way is the Lord going to use and move through them? And, and how are they going to impact the kingdom? Right? We're not just raising families. We're raising warriors for the Lord. People that are going to leave an imprint. All right, come on up. Little Maverick Jace. Is a miracle. We've been talking about miracles. And not so long ago, Josh and Lou came to us and said, Would you agree in prayer with us? Because we've been wanting to have a little one, but we still don't have one. So we did, right? We, we laid hands on you guys, we prayed, we declared some things over you. And shortly thereafter, here comes Maverick. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Honey, won't you join me? And uh, is there anything you wanted to say? Or uh, Okay, let me get you a mic. All right. Um, good evening, everybody.
2: Um, yeah, we just wanted to say thank you so much for all the, the meals and support everybody's been through all this. Um, yeah, we're just really thankful for all that. So thank you, guys.
0: You're welcome. It's a privilege. You know, we're family here. That's one of the things I love about this place is that you take care of each other. That just warms my heart. And I know that if I have that response, how much more does the Lord, right? Warms His heart. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray for Jace and for you. Father, we thank You so much for Maverick Jace. Lord, thank You for this gift of life. Thank You for giving and bringing Him into the Garmin family. And Lord, we present him to you right now. And we ask you to have your will and your way in him. We dedicate him to you, Lord, for your service, to bring you glory, to serve you all the days of his life. Father, I ask you to keep your hand on him in protection all his days, that nothing will harm him. And that should he ever get into any trouble, that you've deliverance already arranged for him in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask You too for wisdom for Josh and, and for Lou, that You would just impart into them wisdom, all the things they don't know that they're going to need to know. The whens, the hows, and the wheres, Lord, give them an understanding of how to raise Maverick to serve You, to love You, to walk with You. In Jesus' name, and Amen. Amen. One of the things that we like to do, don't go away yet, is we like to have an exchange of vows, if you will, between them and the Lord and between us and them. Alright? So you can just answer we do when I get to the parts where, where you, your response is required. So Josh and Lou, do you desire that your child will grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord? And do you promise to provide for Maverick, a Christian home where God is honored and His Word is taught? Do you pledge yourselves to live in such a way that your words and actions will commend Jesus and His church to Maverick? Do you promise that you will be a spiritual guide for Maverick, praying and watching for the day when he will be ready to receive Christ as his personal Lord and Savior? All right, people of God, I have two questions for you. Do you, the people of God in this church, covenant with these parents to provide a loving church home for Maverick Jace? We do. Do you promise to continue teaching the Bible in this church so that Maverick will never lack hearing the truth of God's word? We do. We do. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Someone give him a shout. You may be seated. Oh, wait a minute. I got this for you, too. We'll get it all figured out and eventually. Man, it's good to be with you guys tonight. Are you hungry? Hungry for the Lord? Expecting change? Expecting to be changed? Are you willing to change? All right. I'm in the right place then. We had good news this week on the political front. The PA Commonwealth Court declared Act 77 as violating the Constitution of Pennsylvania. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good news because now uh, Governor Wolf says he's going to appeal that to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And we know that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is very liberal-leaning. It's a 5-2 to two ma- uh, majority, I think. Liberal versus conservative. However, because there's already a ruling on it, it's always more difficult to overturn a previous judge's ruling than if there was no ruling to begin with. And so we're grateful for this Um, commonwealth court declaration that it violates our constitution because that creates a precedent now for when they do appeal it so what i'm going to ask you guys to do and what we're going to do right now is let's pray and let's ask the lord for his favor and that he would put it upon these uh, supreme court judges to rule according to our constitution as well and to rule in righteousness you know prayer makes a difference Paul would go on a missionary trip and he'd be like, pray for me. And he wasn't just trying to give them a homework assignment. He asked them to pray because it's going to make a difference. And so let's change history tonight by lifting this up in prayer. And if you're if you're wondering what's Act 77, well, Act 77 was something that um, the, when the Republicans were in control of the House and Senate, they had... Uh, passed this bill that basically allowed all the mail in voting and all the cheating and all everything that went on, so because it was not brought to pennsylvania 's ballot to be voted on this was is why it is unconstitutional, and they are um, probably going to end up putting it on the ballot to be voted on, but we can uh, we can pray and cover that and vote correctly when that time comes in the meantime, we have a uh, step in the right direction. Yeah. Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank You that You said that the government is upon Your shoulders. And so Lord, we rely on You. We trust in You. We lean on You, Lord, to cause this this uh, judgment by this Commonwealth Court to stand when it comes to the Supreme Court. Father, I ask You to put it upon these Supreme Court judges that they would just be favorably inclined to see in align with the Pennsylvania Constitution when it comes to Act 77. I thank You, Lord, that righteousness is restored to this commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I thank You, Lord, that You bring back righteousness into our courts in Jesus' name. And we bless You for it, and thank You, and Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm very glad that it's as warm as it is in here because it's a bit too cold outside for my liking. And I know some of y'all think this is amazing. I like that. It ain't us. It's good to have my cousin and his family here with us. He's been here with us before, Jeremy. But the last time he was here, he looked like he was with the ZZ Top band with his long beard. So if you remember someone that came in like that, that's him. He just looks a little differently now. And uh, so it's good to have them here with us and, and all the rest of you that are either new here or come from time to time, welcome and just engage the Spirit of the Lord to, to draw you in, to open up your eyes, to reveal truth to you, and to uh, enlightenment, right? He, he's the giver of light. And so uh, receive from Him. Good to see you here, Casey. Welcome.